Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Before we get started on the episode this week, I just wanted to drop in to tell you about some upcoming live shows we're doing. Obviously not in person. COVID-19 has put a stop to that. Uh, This was going to be a huge year of live shows for us, starting with the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Then we're going to get all around Australia and and even a couple of international tours that were so close to being booked in and locked away. But uh, unfortunately, that's all in the bin for now. Instead, we're going to be doing some live streaming episodes uh, and you can find out more details about these at sospresents.com. We're teaming up with the good people at Stupid Old Studios. We're going to do four live episodes, live streaming on the web, and uh, you can get tickets to those uh, either individually or you can buy a season pass, much like at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, where you uh, get four shows for the price of three, I do believe. Look out for the website. I think it'll be going live today as this episode comes out, maybe this afternoon. Uh, and you can also check out our social medias at Do Go On Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and I'm sure we'll be posting all about it there. But yeah, it should be a really fun time. SOS presents.com or do go on pod on all the social medias anyway on with the bloody show this podcast is part of the planet broadcasting network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates hello and welcome 
welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnke, and as always, I'm sitting here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello. Hey, Dave. Hey, Jess. Hey, guys. <laughs> that's a new. Um, Good. That's a new new catchphrase I've come up with. Hey, guys. Okay. <laughs> what do you reckon? I love the. I love. I love it. Um, inspired by anything? Nope. Just said it accidentally then and thought, hey, lean in. <laughs> Is that one of yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard that that's around? Great. All the cool that's kids really, are doing that's it. That's good. That's me. Yeah, I've accidentally I've accidentally quoted you. I've said hey guys a couple of times out of coincidence. Well, Amazing. you owe me quite a lot of money now. Oh, no. <laughs> you, you copyrighted hey guys. Yeah, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I'm a business savvy lady. <laughs> we knew it, Dave. We knew it when we got into business with her. This day would come. <laughs> that's all right. Very litigious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, prepare to get sued. That was the first thing she ever said to me, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've been preparing ever since. <laughs> Many years later, our time has come. I like to keep you on edge. I like you to never know uh, when I'm going to sue you. Mm. But it's coming. <laughs> okay, looking forward to it. So help me God, it's uh, coming. Hey, well, that's we fun. There's a, bit, there's a bit of court action in the, today's report, actually. Ah, perfect. So, Dave or Jess, you want to explain what the show is again? Just for me and maybe the listeners, if they get something out of it too, that's good. You want me Look, to do I've it? I've forgotten as well. I'd like Jess to do you it. You want me to do it? I'm the, oh, yep, no, I'm the best at it. Okay, here we go. Uh, so this show is about all kinds of things. <laughs> Fuck. And uh, there's three of us. I'm Jess, he's Matt, and he's Dave. And we take turns researching topics and then we write up a report about it, like a little story, and then we tell the others and you because you're listening in. And the other two who don't know anything about the topic are usually are kind of dickheads and derail it a lot and the person trying to do the report's like, yes, very funny, but shut up, you know? So that's our show. And then really eventually like- when it gets uploaded on YouTube, people find that very annoying. <laughs> Yet they keep, they listen long enough to comment that. It blows my yeah. mind. I love that about them. If you are yeah, listening the- and you're currently writing a comment about how much you hate it, just fuck off and do something else, I reckon. That's my <laughs> advice. Fuck off. Do something else. Yeah. Um, get or alive. Or prepare to get sued. <laughs> the number of comments we've got that say, oh, that's an hour and 50 minutes, I'll never get back. <laughs> so Why did you listen to an hour five? 50? <laughs> I've listened to 30 seconds of things and gone, I hate this, and I've turned it off, and I've gone on with my life. Um, so maybe just, you know, learn from my example, I guess. Very true. Thank you. Well. Matt, yes, it is your turn this week to tell us the the little story that I love the phrase that you use there, Jess. Little story, and uh, we usually start with a question, a question to get us onto topic, please, Matthew. Yes, well, today I'm going to ask a question that is a, a sort of um, very tangential to the topic, really, because I don't think you will know this particular topic. I didn't, um, but the question is, you won't know this either, but you'll at least be able to have a guess. What animals infest Swayze Lake? Oh, otters. Please be otters. Infest? You don't get an infestation of otters. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen my lower back. <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> What's the collective collective term for otters? Collective noun. Anyone know? Uh, a fuck ton. A fuck ton of otters. <laughs> Have you got a fuck ton of otters on your lower back, Dave, and you've not told us? Yeah, please call an ambulance. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> what would they do? Flick them off. Get out of here. Yeah. Paramedics have all been trained to deal with otters, mate. They're trained for a lot of things. Uh, it's not otters. Jess, I reckon you, I'll give you one crack and then I'll tell you the answer, but I reckon you'll get this. I only get one go, but you think I'll get it. Yeah. Is that a clue? What infests? What might infest a lake? Uh, mold. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's pretty good. It's algae. Yeah, that's right. No, it's it's close. It's close. It's alligators. Algae. Algigators. Algigators. Ah. Okay. Okay. So this this topic is called uh, the disappearance of Bobby Dunbar, (gasps) and it's it's been. Have you heard of this? No, it just sounds exciting. It does sound exciting. It's been suggested by multiple people, including Ava Lalaney from Wisconsin, Adam Darbyshire from Florida, Liam Tasker from Ireland, Lynn Thomas from Washington State, James McCracken from Whitehaven in the UK, and Ethan oh Lee from Oh, my God, James McCracken. Fantastic name. Great work, James. Are you kidding me? Jimmy McSee, as his <laughs> mates probably call him. Jimmy McCracken. <laughs> uh, so before we start, fair warning. Because I know it's it's always heartbreaking at the end if you don't realise it's coming. But this is a mystery episode. Oh, no. Sorry, I mean, oh, yes. Everybody. I love it. No, I love them. I, I love them because it means we get to speculate. Mm. And was it mole people or was it mould people this week? <laughs> we'll soon find out. That's right. When did mole people goes back to one of the, our earlier mysteries? Maybe the diet love pass? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think I'm, <laughs> it's mole, mole people or the golden woman. Anyway, <laughs> the golden woman. I love that very much. I actually, um, you know, with world events at the moment and uh, everyone having a bunker down because of the COVID-19 outbreak, I put up the Spanish flu as a suggestion. A few people had uh, asked for it on Twitter and in the hat. And I'm like, oh, that might be good. I, I kind of, I reckon there's two kinds of people in a scenario like this, the people who want to just forget about it and want to listen to a podcast like this to escape and other people who just want to dive in and learn as much as they can and see if history teaches us anything. Yeah. And it turns out uh, our listeners, or at least our patrons, are more of the uh, escapism types because <laughs> <laughs> they chose this over that. It was pretty close. There was quite a few who were keen on the Spanish flu and um, I reckon it'll be an interesting one to do a little bit later on, uh, maybe when when we all know that we're going to survive this one. Um yeah, but this so, is going to be pretty embarrassing when we have an alligator apocalypse, isn't it? Yes. We're going to have to go is. back and Wait, delete which... this episode <laughs> out of respect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, so here we go. On the 23rd of August 1912, the Dunbar family went on a camping trip to Swayze Lake, Louisiana. It's one of those stories, you know, because it's over 100 years old, every article about it tells this part of the story a little bit differently. Some say it's a day trip, some say a camping trip, some say it's just the family, some say it's with a bunch of other family friends as well. Right. I don't think <laughs> that necessarily matters to the story overall. No, I but... want to know exactly who was on this family trip. Name and shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Dunbar, well, the Dunbar family was made up of parents Lessie and Percy. Not enough Percy's in my life anymore. I think Percy's a great name. It's been with me since childhood. There was uh, Percy the train in Thomas the Tank Engine, and I can't struggle to name <laughs> another Percy. I reckon Percy Dunbar, obviously. Oh, of course, obviously, yeah. Percy Dunbar. 
I know a cat called Percy. Oh, it's a good pet name. Yeah. It's a good cat. Well, what about uh, Percy Jones, the footballer? His nickname was Wow, Wow Jones. And the rumour is that's because he's got a W tattooed on each butt cheek. So when <laughs> he right. When he does a brown eye or a moon's people, it spells Wow. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. He owns a pub in Fitzroy now. Anyway, um, so the Leslie and Percy, the parents, then there's their two kids, four-year-old Bobby and two-year-old Alonzo, another fantastic name. Alonzo. All those names are great. You start with Bobby and then you name your second kid a way cooler <laughs> name, Alonzo. I don't. I like Bobby as well, but Alonzo, it's hard to beat. Oh, Bobby's fine, but Alonzo, good God. Yeah. Hi, I'm Alonzo's Bobby fantastic. and this is my brother, Alonzo. <laughs> so cool. Uh, it is so cool. I'm, I've decided I just changed this before because I, I had um, I was quoting one article about how it all happened, but I've changed my mind. I'm going to go with the mental floss version of events, and I'm just going to read it out as written on their site. Love it. Described in newspapers as stout but not fat, rosy-cheeked and sporting a straw hat, the four-year-old son of Percy and Lessie Dunbar had accompanied his parents and their friends to a weekend camping retreat at Swayze Lake near... Opelousas in Louisiana. That's that's their hometown, Opelousas. So I'm going to have to say it a lot, and it's a it's spelled O P E L O U S A S. Love it. Uh, get ready for me to pronounce it differently every time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Percy, who run, ran a successful real estate and insurance company, quickly left to attend to business. Lessie stayed behind to care for Bobby and his two-year-old brother Alonzo. So this is still from Mental Floss. The morning they arrived, Bobby left. Uh, his mother to go watch his father's friend Paul Mitzi shoot fish in the murky water. Shoot murky water. <laughs> Is it murky water because of mould, perhaps? Oh, <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. Mm. Oh, I just want to say, if you're shooting fish in murky water, are you just having a crack and shooting the water and hoping? Yeah, for the I think best? you're shooting water actually. <laughs> It's like, you know, the, the phrase like shooting fish in a barrel means something's real easy. I think the opposite of that is like shooting fish in a murky lake. That means something's quite hard. And stupid. And stupid, yes. Paul Mitzi. Hard and stupid. Mm. Hey, kids, come watch me shoot this lake. <laughs> I missed. I can't believe I missed. He had, and he had, he just had a big group of kids watching him shoot at a lake. Oh, man, that's funny stuff. I don't think I even realised how funny that is until you <laughs> pointed that out there. Uh, so uh, the Mental Floss article goes on to dis- uh, describe it as a muddy splash of swamp surrounded by trees. As lunchtime neared, Lessie began calling everyone to help set up for the meal. According to a contemporary newspaper report, and there were, it was very widely reported at the time, as Mitzi and Bobby walked to the dining area, the young man told the little boy to get out of his way. Bobby laughed and said something sassy, then, quote, disappeared like magic. <laughs> the okay. way they describe it is like he's, he's thrown down like a, a smoke bomb. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that's what happened. I think I'm thinking he, they turned around and then he walked away or something happened or, yeah. But, yeah, in one of the other articles, they, I think they even quoted what the sassy comment was. It said something like, you're no bigger than me, Mitzi. That's, <laughs> and that's he's that's a four-year-old, four-year-old boy talking to an adult man. <laughs> that is a stout boy. 
Mitzi, more like shitsy, am I right? Smoke bomb, Smoke bomb. gone. Bang. <laughs> and I'm gone. Apparently, his nickname amongst uh, friends and family, Bobby, a four-year-old, was Heavy. Heavy. Wow. wow. Heavy D and the boys, classic band. <laughs> I was playing them for you. Remember I was playing for you for you when we were on tour in the UK? Heavy D and the boys, still one of my favourite ever band names. Heavy I just couldn't believe that there was a band called Heavy D and the boys. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's so good. Um, anyway, Mental Floss goes on. When Bobby failed to reappear, you know, the magic trick went awry, I guess, his mother grew <laughs> frantic. It's easy to imagine her worst fears about the alligator-infested waters nearby. By the time Percy returned to the lake around noon, he found friends searching for his son, and more than 100 locals quickly joined the search party. Okay, so that's the end of the uh, mental floss section there. So already it's, it's, no one knows what's happened here. Can I ask a question? Um, sure. So Paul, Paul Mitzi? Yep. He's walking back to the dining area at a campground. Dining area, very kind. And it's just him and Bobby or there's other kids around as well? It's just him and Bobby. Oh, well, I think there's other kids as well. I think there was, d- depending on who you read, it's either those two. I think there were lots of other kids and he was the only one that um, sort of wandered off or something. It just sounds like he killed the kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jess has gone early, turned on shitsy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually right about these things, so <laughs> it's a mystery no more. <laughs> Solved. Well, I, I needn't go on. I've got another 18 pages to read, but um, no. <laughs> I will let just for everyone else, Jess, you've locked in your answer early, but for Dave, you can hear the rest of the question, All right. which is another okay. 18 pages. <laughs> Classic sale of the century rules. <laughs> Yeah, Jess has uh, buzzed in, possibly got it wrong, and here I am. I'm just going to wait until I am mole people. <laughs> yes. So though it's called a lake, Swayze was more like a swamp full of alligators. It seemed like the first instinct of the police. So they, they ended up, the search party went on, couldn't turn him up. So then the cops came in, uh, local cops at first and state cops. But when the cops came in, um, it seemed like the instinct of, of a lot of the people there was that the boy has either probably drowned or been taken by one of the many gators. To test this theory, they caught and dissected many alligators uh, but could not find them. So they cut and gators' stomachs open to see what they can find. Left, they'll, right they'll, heal, they'll heal right, though. Surely. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Just a, it's day <laughs> surgery. Back. I think it's just a local anesthetic. <laughs> Stitch them up. <laughs> Send them back out. Maybe they let them stay in overnight, but, yeah, they've got to be out the next day because there's a limited amount of beds um, in the alligator hospital. Uh, this bit blew my mind. Uh, according to all that's interesting, they also, quote, threw dynamite into the lake hoping it would eject the body from the water. No. No. They thought they'd throw in dynamite and a body would just go, boop, out it is. Here it is. <laughs> I think so, yeah. That's yeah. so dumb. And well, it didn't work. Ah, <laughs> you don't say. Uh, so the search broadened. It went out across the area and then eventually the state and bordering states as well. And then eight long months went by without any result. But then one day, word came through that a kid matching Bobby's description had been found in Mississippi. 
which I believe is a bordering state of Louisiana, or at least it's not we, too far away. Are we Dave, to believe you know? that is very close by, but are we led to believe that the dynamite was so powerful that it blew him from the lake into another state. <laughs> they weren't paying enough attention. He went shooting through the sky. Luckily, he landed on a bale of hay. That could have been nasty. Yeah. Uh, the boy was found accompanying a travelling piano repairman named <laughs> William Cantwell Walters. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you picture in there, Jess. I don't know. I don't know why I found that so funny. I mean, sure, somebody has to repair pianos. <laughs> why, is, why, why is it so scarce a resource that he has to travel all over the place just to look after pianos? I think, well, I, I think the the... Terminology at the time was he was a traveling tinkerer or traveling tinker. Stop so it. But I, I, I try to put it in a modern parlance because uh, it sounds like the main part of his job was repairing pianos and organs, tuning them and repairing Yeah, right. Them. So, he was a piano doctor in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's right. Mm. <laughs> he went around with a, tele, a stethoscope. Yeah. Putting it on the belly of the piano. Ooh, doesn't look good. Ooh, Do- good thing you called close. me. <laughs> uh, uh, Dr. Pianist, not to be confused with Dr. Penis, of course. Uh, people have made that mistake many times. I will look at your penis, but I'm not an expert. <laughs> so he'd, he'd, he'd travel from town to town tuning people's pianos and also doing other odd jobs to eke out a living. Uh, when the cops caught up with Walters, he told authorities the boy wasn't Bobby Dunbar, but Charles Bruce Anderson, or Bruce for short, the son of Julia Anderson. One story, one uh, article I read talked about how uh, they heard about this and the Dunbars sent uh, a relative of theirs who was nearby, uh, one of Percy's brothers, I think, and he said, no, nah, that's not the boy. It was someone in that same area anyway, but it's not confirmed if this is the same guy or not. Anyway, it's this second time um, they were more interested. But Walters told them that Julia Anderson, who he said was the mother of the boy, asked him to look after Bruce for a while when she went out looking for work. Uh, In the end, the story wasn't believed and Walters was arrested and Bobby was reunited with the Dunbar family. The Dunbars travelled over to Mississippi to um, IDM and stuff. How the reunion between Bobby and his parents went down was reported in contradictory ways at the time, like wildly contradictory ways. Wow. <laughs> here's a few. Uh, here's, here's two examples. Uh, one article had the headline, Mother Faints, Side of Kidnapped Child, saying, quote, The boy recognized his mother instantly. Mother, he cried as he reached <laughs> up and stretched out his arms to her. The mother convulsively embraced the boy and then fainted, end quote. Okay, so that's one way that the meeting was uh, reported at the time. Another article had the headline, Mrs. Dunbar not positive lad is her missing boy. Going on to say, Mrs. Dunbar looked, at, uh, looked in the dim light of a smoky oil lamp and then fell back with a gasp. I do not know. I am not quite sure, faltered Mrs. Dunbar. So one what? story, they both definitely recognise each other, embrace in love, and the other one, I don't know. Is it him? I'm not sure. Wow. I mean, 
that's two yes. very different reactions. So the, the second one, even if it is dark, it is hard to think. How long has it been since she hasn't seen her son? Eight months. I mean, four-year-olds obviously do grow, but that much? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering as well. Like eight months, four. So that's a big chunk of a life. What's eight months out of four years? You know, it's some something like 20% of its life or something. But And you're grieving through that time. I don't know. But it feels like, yeah, feels like maybe you'd think you would recognise your kid and your kid would recognise you. But it's just so weird that it's it's been reported on in such different ways. It's not like a small detail's different. It's like in one case they were both very excited and happy and in the other it's like we're still not sure. <laughs> yeah, very strange. Yeah. What, you wonder what the motives of the of the two writers were. I guess maybe it was like like now more sensational mm. headlines get bigger readerships or whatever. Yep. Don't know. So according to episode 352 of This American Life, which focuses on this story, and I would highly recommend uh, people who, who haven't to listen to this episode as well. It's uh, it's great and it's got interviews with um, people involved or at least descendants of people involved in the story. Uh, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But here's a, a part of the episode uh, I'm quoting from here. It says, Percy and Lessie both told the papers that the boy didn't look like their son. His eyes were too small. But then the next day, they came back and Lessie gave the boy a bath and identified the moles and scars on his skin and declared he was hers. Oh. And according to some newspapers, Bobby didn't recognise his father or mother either or his until, brother Alonzo. Until he bathed them and recognised their <laughs> moles. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's like... Don't recognise his face, but that mole, I'd, I'd, I'd know it anywhere. Yeah, I've got facial blindness, but I'm a mole expert. Yeah. Uh, so he apparently had quite a distinctive scar on one of his feet and that and that lined up. And I guess, you know, the odds of that, um, even though, yeah, it is interesting, I think his eyes are different. But I, can eyes change in eight months? I Probably, I guess. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Probably not, actually. I'm not sure. Not that much, <laughs> I don't reckon. No. Not that much that people are like, what have you, not like, have you done something to your face? But I don't know if you're you. You guys got any um, any moles that I could use to identify you? Any scars? Any markings? Yeah. I got I got a pink, uh, pink scar on my elbow from falling off a skateboard I think when I was a kid. Okay. All right. And it's it's never fully healed. So just check my right elbow. Okay. Dave, anything for you? Uh, uh check my left elbow. Oh. Okay. And that's genuine. I fell over uh at a birthday party in year 7 and I it was we were in the spa and then we went inside and I tripped and I on the tiles and I hit my arm on a wall. Oh. And it it cut it open. It didn't really heal that well because it's on the bit that people jokingly call, I don't know, it's joke, your weenus, yeah, you know that bit? that's what it's called. Back, yeah? <laughs> but I know when people love love that joke when they find out it's called that. And, uh, yeah, because it, it's on that bit that's bumpy. It never fully healed properly. So check my left elbow. All right. And- yeah, well, that must be the same as me. Jess, do you have a, a funny weenus? I don't have a funny weenus, but you can check my left hip because i got a, a big freckle there. And my dad has this like a matching one on his right hip. Just a little oh fun God. fact there. But, yeah, I've got a big freckle on my hip. And we've all got wow. tattoos, you dickheads. Oh, yeah. Whoops. 
<laughs> my tattoo says, I'm Matt Stewart. Yes, that is Don't handy. look at my weenus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. I just wanted to derail. I just needed to make a note of that in case I'm ever given the responsibility of identifying your dead bodies. Okay. Is this your son? No. <laughs> but it is Matt Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the question. Uh, one paper said Bobby at first meeting turns upon Alonzo with a scowl of anger. There appeared no recognition of his little brother. But contradicting that, another paper said the instant they met, Robert said, there's my bubba, Alonzo, and reached over and kissed him. Okay. Another, like, exact opposite. Quite different. Yeah. I don't know if that's the exact opposite. Is the opposite of a scowl a kiss? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, yes. great. And calling someone uh, my bubba. So depending on the paper you read, uh, you'd be either sure it was Bobby Dunbar or very confused about it all indeed. Either way, after Lessie positively identified moles and scars on his body, the authorities allowed Bobby to return to the Dunbar home. There was a lot of fanfare for Bobby when he returned to Opelousas, Louisiana, where the Dunbars lived. Crowds surrounded the Dunbar house. We talk about this sometimes, olden day Mm. things. People just love to gather around a house when something's happened. Yeah, there's that boy with the mole. (laughs) There's the mole boy. boy. (gasps) He's a mole Mole boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a big clue. Uh, Not a mole boy. According to Dunbar's (laughs) granddaughter, Margaret, quote, there was a tremendous parade with a fire truck and the whole town came out and there was a band and everyone celebrated and he was found. So he rode into town on a fire truck. Oh, my God. Are they sure the fire truck wasn't there, like, blasting people with a water cannon saying, go home, (laughs) go home. home. You've got better things to do. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't quite as simple as that, though. As Julia Anderson arrived in town keen to prove Walter's story that the boy was in fact her son, Charles Bruce Anderson. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot they've taken this kid. Who? Oh, my God. Okay, yep. If she was able to prove this, that it was her son, who she called Bruce, as well as potentially helping her reunite with the boy, she would also get help. Uh, she would also help get Walters off his kidnapping charges. So Walters is. So now that they're like, well, this is the Dunbar boy. That means Walters kidnapped the kid. So he's <sighs> he's been arrested. Um, and yeah, so she's got different motivations to come to town and go. Uh, this is actually my boy. Firstly believing her story, it's to get her son back. And secondly, um, to get Walters off his kidnapping charges. So Walters uh, worked, the Walters family employed Julia. She sort of was like a, a field hand, I think she's described as. So yeah, her and Walters were close, but she'd been away mm. trying to get work and Walters had been traveling around tuning pianos uh, with her boy. That's the story. And now she's in town to try and prove that to be true. Far out. Prior to arriving in Opelousas, Anderson was published in a paper telling her side of the story, saying, quote, William C. Walters left Barnesville, North Carolina with my son, Charles Bruce, in February of 1912, saying that he only wanted to take the child with him for a few days on a visit to the home of his sister. I have not seen the child from that day to this which was over a year later. Oh, my God. Is- so, he, so he's definitely kidnapped a boy no matter what the na- boy, name of the Basically, boy. Basically, yes. Uh, I did not give him the child. 
I merely consented for him to take my son for a few days. Uh, <laughs> That's weird. That is weird. Yeah, that is wild, right? Um, she goes on to say, Walters had been at the home of his father, Mr. J.P. Walters, near Barnesville since November of 1911. And while he was there, he and the child were together a great deal and seemed very fond of each other. The boy would go anywhere with Walters. I would know my son if I were to see him, and I'm sure he would know me. I have no picture of the child, but I have a lock of his hair. Okay. Isn't that a, it's a, a wild thing that back in those days, photos for people who didn't have a lot of money yep. were harder to get. So she just, she had a four-year-old kid and she didn't have a photo of him. I know, and it he took was me a second for... to get that. And I was like, why doesn't she have a photo of it? <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. All right. I understand. Is it, It's also, it's interesting that, so I don't think she ever reported him as missing. So she was sort of accepted that Walters had taken her. She knew Walters. She was off looking for work. And, and the way Walters tells and the way she tells it is a little bit different as well. Hmm. He says that she knew he was with him. And she says, yeah, for a couple of days. <laughs> then a year went by. So that's pretty full on. So it was over a year. I think maybe 15 months that, since she's seen her son, Charles Bruce Anderson. According to This American Life, quote, a New Orleans paper paid for her trip to Opelousas to see if she could really identify the boy as hers. The story as it was played out in the front pages was this. Julia arrived, weary from an overnight train ride, and was taken to an Opelousas home. Five boys around Bruce's age, including the child the Dunbars had claimed as Bobby, were brought in at different times, and Julia had to choose. When Bobby came in, he was in tears, and so was Julia. He showed no signs of recognition, even when she offered him an orange. But Julia asked the lawyers in the room if this was the child who was recovered, and they refused to answer, which makes sense. I think if they answered, it would kind of defeat the away. purpose. Yep. But nice try, Miss Anderson. You know what I mean? Was she so, trying yeah, to offer every, every child an orange? Is it my yeah. son doesn't even know what an orange is, so he wouldn't say yes to an orange. <laughs> yeah. So now we've got two mothers who are supposedly reunited with their son and did not recognise them enough to, to claim it, uh, them as their own straight away. Uh, in the end, she had to say she was unsure. But it, it did seem like that one was the one she was most interested in. You know, she was that was the one she was closest to, but couldn't be couldn't be sure about it. The story was already gaining huge traction in the press, and news that Anderson was unable to identify the boy was reported widely also. The reporting on Anderson was often cruel, in part I think because she was an unmarried mother, which was frowned upon back then. Uh, here's an article reporting on her inability to positively identify her child in a New Orleans paper back in the day. Titled, Julia Has Forgotten by Jerome G. Beatty. Quote, Her long journey had been in vain. She had not seen her son since February 1912, and she had forgotten about him. Animals don't forget, but this big, coarse countrywoman, several times a mother, she forgot. She cared little for her young. Children were only regrettable incidents in her life. She hopes her son isn't dead, just as she hopes that the cotton crop will be good this year. Of true mother love, she has none. Oh. Isn't that a wild thing to write? That is scathing. 
And uh, like, what are uh, what's he basing that on, Jerome Beatty? Yeah, far out. I don't know if he was he was from the paper that paid for her to come over, and he spent some time with her or what. But it's just like that doesn't. That's a, yeah, a, quite a brutal description yeah. of her. Um, yeah. I was going to say earlier that she doesn't sound like the greatest mother, um, but I don't think. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a very scathing review of a person. <laughs> yeah, to put in a in a paper, and yeah. it, like, and I think it's just he's not disputing that uh, she's lost her son, whether it's this guy or another kid. Uh, he's like, she doesn't care you know, anyway. She, she's lost him. She doesn't give a shit. Well, why has she travelled over to identify him and stuff? Yeah. You know? Yeah, just very cruel. Anyway, she returned the following day begging for a second chance to identify the boy. And according Did she to bring this, another orange? <laughs> she brought another, she brought a bag of them this time. Ah. <laughs> but in a clever twist, she also brought a bunch of bananas. Very well played. <laughs> uh, according to This American Life, she was allowed to see the boy again and undress him. Oh, this time oh. she felt more certain that it was her son. What is it about this uh, boy? That he's more recognisable with his clothes off than on. His face is so plain, but then you look at his body and it's so specific. (laughs) It's strange. Two different mothers go, I'm not sure based on his face. Oh, yep. That that belly button. But does that mean there's there's four decoy boys that she's having to undress that don't have anything to do with her? I th- no, I think it was she just asked that she's like, this boy, I want to see that, that kid. <laughs> but even that in, a, in itself is pretty wild, isn't it? That it's like, I, I think that's my son. Let me see him naked. It's yeah, weird. so weird. <laughs> uh, but because she was uncertain the day before, the test had already been declared a failure. According to Historic Mysteries, a judge found that the child was Bobby Dunbar and gave custody to Percy and Lassie. Oh. So, so that's it all wrapped up. Uh, the the boy is Bobby Dunbar. Anderson didn't have money for a court battle anyway, and so she returned home, leaving the boy with the Dunbars. Uh, This is from All That's Interesting. Bobby had returned home and acclimatised well, was playing with his brother, and showed signs of remembering things at the house. Uh, Anderson, being unable to prove the boy was hers, meant Walters was in trouble for kidnapping. He went to trial, and in a long and expensive court case, was convicted and was sentenced to life in prison. Whoa. He spent two years behind bars before his attorney appealed the case successfully. Uh, I think it was on a technicality, and a retrial was ordered. But due to the expense of the first trial, the town declined retrialing Walters, and he was set free. Oh. In a weird sort of way that he was set free, but still sort of, you know, not exonerated really, just like we can't afford to try him again. But he went from life in prison to two years in prison and then free. Yeah, that's weird. Well, the two, he he'd only served two years of his of his life. Yeah, yeah. In prison, and then yeah, it's something a bit odd about that, right? Yeah, really weird. Yeah, just obviously so expensive. Or yeah, I don't know. It's it's, a, it's just a, another quirk in the story. There's so many of them where you're like, wow, that doesn't really seem to make full sense to me. Yeah, I don't get that. When Bobby was twelve. His pair, his dad Percy was charged, so he ends up living his life with the Dunbars. When he was twelve, his dad Percy was charged with beating and stabbing a man while on a trip to Florida. That same year, Percy and Lassie separated. This followed Percy being charged with adultery and cohabitation, 
which seemed to corrob- corroborate Lessie's claims in the divorce papers that Percy cheated on her repeatedly. So he ended up, he had a pretty rough childhood mm. by the sounds of it. Um, so I think he, yeah, his parents split uh, when he was still quite young. And, yeah, his dad sounded like a could be quite a violent man. Historic Mysteries states that it wasn't until Bobby became a grown man that he spoke to the media about his exceptional childhood. He would state at long last that he recalled his kidnapping by Walters and his time away from his family. Oh. In, in so, 1932, sorry, Dave. So as a child, when he's four, most children at four are pretty lingual. There was no way that he could say, my name is, and then his name or anything like that? No, not, it, didn't, it didn't happen in any way that he was able to prove it particularly despite him being quite lingual. Because, I mean, he was being sassy just before he went yeah. missing. Oh, sorry, I forgot that. <laughs> Gee, bloody shit's all, whatever his name is. He, <laughs> he sassed all over that guy. So he's going from being sassy to now not not really being able to um, identify himself or tell <laughs> the, the story that... of what had happened or whatever. <laughs> I guess, it, you know, if you've been kidnapped for eight months, that's pretty traumatic. And you think about things like... Um, uh, what's it called when you're kidnapped and you start feeling for the kidnapper? Oh, Stockholm, Stockholm Syndrome. Syndrome. I was going to call it Oslo Syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, so uh, who knows, right, with all these different things, they maybe people are able to explain it away. Like, you know, it's a very traumatic experience for a four-year-old. Who knows how that's going to affect their mental state. But, yeah, when he grew up, he, he did uh, recall the kidnapping in 1932, when he was about 24, uh, around the same time as the Lindbergh baby was taken. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this led to reporters having interest in his story again. You know, the let's talk to the other famously kidnapped child from, from a couple of decades ago. Uh, and he, this is what he said in the interview. A lot of people still believe I was eaten by an alligator, but I can assure you I was not. <laughs> That is good. That's good assurance because I was worried. Yeah. (laughs) According to This American Life, in one of these interviews, quote, he went on to recount a memory of being with William Walters on the wagon on the road before the arrest, before he was recovered by the Dunbars. In the memory, there was another boy with him who fell off the wagon and died and was buried. Okay. So he's basically... um, He's remembering Charles Bruce Anderson dying and being buried, which, you know, explains why there were two boys lost, only one was found. Yeah. But this story was very similar to a theory put forward by the prosecution at Walter's trial. Yeah. Basically, he'd been travelling with both Bobby Dunbar and Bruce Anderson, and that was how they explained um, that he could have been with two boys and only one still remained. But it's also quite possible that Bobby had heard this theory after the trial and then slowly turned it into a memory. Yep. Um, But it's hard to know for sure. That's what I was thinking before because he was so little and people, like his his whole life people would be talking about this with him and around him and you would sort of, I don't remember what it's called, that it's a psychological term, but, yeah, when you sort of form memories from stories. Yes. Yeah, I think, and then sometimes you insert yourself into them, yeah. even though you're hearing a story from someone. There was that famously a, a well-trusted American journalist 
who um, was over in a war zone. See, now I'm telling this memory poorly from my memory, <laughs> but he was basically the actual thing that happened was uh, he was in a helicopter behind another helicopter and there were fire, shots fired at it in a war zone. And eventually um, he told the story over time publicly and without meaning to lie, the story eventually changed so he was in the helicopter that was being shot at and got shot maybe. Yeah. Something like this. But basically the story slowly morphed from him being uh, near the story to right at the centre of the story. Yeah. And he's saying this on the record in recording so it's you, people can see it happening. Yeah, wow. And he obviously still fully believed it. But it, as a, a trusted uh, news reporter, that was not good for his reputation. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> By the end of the story, he's like, and then I was the president and I got abducted. <laughs> yeah. And then I turned into the Hulk. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. President. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's oh. pretty wild. Yes. So that's that's kind of what I think might have happened, but it's just hard to know. Mm. Nothing's for certain in this story, really. Yeah. Uh, despite what must have been a terribly tough upbringing for Bobby, he grew up to be a loving family man, marrying and having four children of his own, including a son named Bobby Dunbar Jr. But all good things must come to an end, and Bobby died <gasps> in 1966 when he was only 58 years old. Oh. 1966, of course, being the year the Saints won the uh... premiership in the VFL. <laughs> Did you do this whole report to so see you could say that? <laughs> yes. Uh, we've, the, the AFL's been postponed. People might not know this. Listeners might not know. Um, after one round, so the Saints have had one loss, and that could be the full season potentially. <laughs> Heartbreaking. Oh. We we're up by five goals early in the third quarter, and we lost by two points. It was a it was a hard game to watch. <laughs> it, would have, it would have been pretty good if you could go through undefeated. Hey, yeah, it would have been sick. Anyway, let's not dwell on that. We've got happier things to talk about. This missing boy. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. 
and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, sorry to butt in here quickly. We all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Now that so many of us are stuck at home, it's only a matter of time until you run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. So this whole week, I've been using ExpressVPN to binge Blackadder on UK Netflix. It's so simple to do, I just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change my location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Love anime? Use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is it's, it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on a personal device or on the big screen, wherever you are. If you visit our special link right now at expressvpn.com slash do go on, expressvpn.com slash do go on, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash do go on. Now, back to the show. So so his son, Bob Dunbar Jr., he also had kids. One of those, a daughter named Margaret Dunbar Cutright, became very interested in the story of the disappearance of her grandfather, Bobby Dunbar. I'm going to just call her Margaret. Yep. Because uh, Dunbar Cutright's going <laughs> to trip me up almost guaranteed. <laughs> in 1999, Bobby Jr. gave Margaret a scrapbook that was put together by her great-grandmother, Lessie. It included photos, newspaper articles, and letters relating to the disappearance of Bobby. If she was already fascinated about the story, this scrapbook made her obsessed. She was the one in the family who, like everyone talked about it in the family, it was a big story in the family they'd tell each other all the time. So everyone in the family was very familiar with it, but she was more into it than anyone else, and then she got this scrapbook and became like a full-time obsession. Yeah, wow. She she just lost her brother in an accident and her husband uh, travelled a lot for work, so she had a lot of time and she was grieving, so she really dived into this. Um, so a lot of the stuff I've talked about already has come out from Margaret's research as well, her uncovering some of these old articles and that sort of stuff as well, like those inconsistencies were things she found. Yeah. Uh, but the scrapbook wasn't the end of her research. Uh, more the start. From there, she, she started traveling to libraries and courthouses in small towns all around the area to try and hunt down any extra information she could. The more she read about Julia Anderson, the more she felt for her. And though she didn't doubt 
that her grandfather Bobby was a Dunbar, she did believe Anderson's story, saying, quote, This woman was telling the truth. She did have a son, and my heart hurts for Julia at this point, believing that this boy is her son. You know, it's really awkward because Lassie and Julia are both in the same position. They're both missing children. Mm. She hated the way the media portrayed Anderson at the time, calling it unnecessarily judgmental. That was sort of based on that one article from before, especially. <laughs> uh, then one day, Margaret was shocked with what she read on a genealogy website. On its listing for Anderson, it said, quote, Julia had a son from her first marriage named Bruce, who was kidnapped from North Carolina when he was six years old and taken to Louisiana. She tried to get him back but the people that kidnapped him won him in court and changed his name to Bobby Dunbar. Oh. That's what it said so on the this, genealogy website. Yeah, that's wow, right. Wow, the so, people that kidnapped him. Well, that's, that's I would say that's been, that, the Anderson side of the family would have filled out that entry, I'd say. Yeah. But this is a real eye-opener to Margaret. She'd never really considered that there was another family out there who remembered and told the story in the exact opposite way to her. Yeah. It was like, she opened up this alternative reality to herself. Wow. She'd only ever heard the one version of the story, and she's like, what? Wait, what? That's not right. He was, you kidnapped him. We got him back, not the other way around. Um, so this led her to reach out to the Anderson family, and as it turns out, Anderson went on to have more children, and two of them were still alive in the year 2000 when she was doing this research. They were named Hollis Rawls, and Jewel Tava. <laughs> Hollis Rawls. <laughs> so good. Incredible. And you can, you can hear they're interviewed on that episode of This American Life and they got this great drawly accent. They're real fun to um, hear talk. Wow. Just super likable people. Uh, from Anderson's kids, Margaret learnt more about the story. After the heartbreak of losing her son, Julia moved to Poplarville, Mississippi, which is about 320 kilometres from o o Opelousas. Damn it. <laughs> there she got married and had seven children, Whoa. of which Jewel and Hollis were the youngest. Any questions? She know what's cool, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, grief for a lost son? Yeah. I think, oh, and I haven't mentioned this before, but she also, um, Bruce wasn't the only child she lost that year. She lost three kids that year. What? Uh, one died young, one, she, one just went missing, Bruce, and um, I forget what happened there, but yeah, she, and one she gave up for adoption. I think maybe she gave the first kid up for adoption, then she lost one, and then um, Bruce went missing. So a brutal what? year. Brutal, brutal year. Uh, so Jewel and Hollis painted a very different picture of Julia than the media had. According to This American Life, quote, Hollis and Jewel revere their mother. Julia didn't just go to church, they say. She founded the church. She was a nurse and a midwife for the entire community. During the Depression, she sewed all her children's clothes out of fertilizer bags, and they were always well fed. Isn't that like such a different picture of a mother from a not even up to the standard of an animal to she founded a church, was a nurse for a whole community. Yeah. Made sure her kids were fed. She made clothes because they didn't have enough money. She just sounds more like a saint all of a sudden. Far mm. out. That's weird. Um, yeah. So I think this this whole story 
is such a great example of how there's always two sides to the same story. Like it's not normally this extreme, but yeah, amazing. Mm. Um, Hollis said that she never forgot about Bruce, saying, quote, she never forgot it, never, never, ever forgot the boy. And if it had been possible for her to, to have got the child legally back or anything, she would have done it if possible. She would have. She loved the child. She loved Bruce. She sure did. You sort of get a bit of an idea of uh, the way <laughs> Hollis talks. I love that. She sure did. <laughs> Four years after being given the scrapbook, Margaret had taken all the articles from it and all those that she had collected from libraries and courthouses and typed them up, more than 1,200 articles in total. Wow. Amazing. This is in 2000. That's a lot of trips to a lot of libraries. This is in 2000, So she yeah. could have photocopied stuff. Well, I mean, she had photocopies of them, but she wanted, I guess you type them up, then they make them searchable and stuff for words and all that sort of stuff. Right, gotcha. That year, she also turned her attention to looking for descendants of William Walters, the travelling piano repairman or tinker, <laughs> who'd, who'd kidnapped her grandfather. Oh, yeah, it's less funny now. Dur- during this time, she also tracked down a descendant of Walters' defence. She did find um, descendants of Walters, or at least descendants of his family. Uh, but during this time, she also found uh, a descendant of Walters' defence lawyer who had kept the complete defence file from the kidnapping case in a cupboard or something like that. According to This American Life, when Margaret heard that, she dropped everything, bought a portable scanner and showed up at the woman's doorstep. She spent a week scanning the entire thing and then four months back at home typing and deciphering it. So this was a, this, since the scrapbook, this was the next big chunk of info she had about the case Wow! Um, that really opened it up even more. Uh, so is he just more- treating it like a full-time job, this sort of research for? It sounds like it. Really, I mean, it, it'd have to be. Uh, this American Life went on to say the defense file was a gold mine. It had correspondence from the governors of Mississippi and Louisiana, handwritten letters from Julia Anderson, and dozens of sworn affidavits from Mississippi residents saying that the child was Bruce Anderson and that they'd seen him in the area with Walters months before Bobby Dunbar went missing. And then there was this letter written by William Walters himself just days after he was arrested and thrown into jail, addressed directly to Percy Dunbar, who had just taken the boy home with him. So I'll read you this letter in a second. But isn't that amazing? Like something you're researching so much and then all of a sudden you're finding handwritten letters by these people who would just be living so large in your mind, like Julia Anderson. Oh, that would that'd give me chills seeing a handwritten letter from Julia Anderson now, yeah. but imagining Margaret seeing it, that would be wild, I reckon. It's insane. Um, so here's the letter. This one gave me kind of chills. Uh, this is a letter from William Walters to Percy Dunbar just after he, he was thrown into jail. Quote, I see that you got Bruce, but you have heaped up trouble for yourselves. I had no chance to prove up, but I know by now you have decided you were wrong. It is very likely I will lose my life on account of that. And if I do, the great God will hold you accountable. That boy's mother is Julia Anderson. You ask him and he will tell you. I did not teach him to beg or bum, but in as much as you have him, take good care of him. So you have lost a Robert and me a lost Bruce. May God bless my darling boy. Write me if I don't get lynched. I think you will be sad a long time, but I hope not too bad. What a roller coaster. Whoa. 
film. Also, so you mentioned before that Bruce was older than Bobby. Wasn't he? Uh, no, they're about the same age. Oh, right. I thought you said before that he was six because um, that's at that age quite a difference in size and a lot of things. Um, that's insane. Yeah. Has it? Well, yeah, okay. I just think, like, why couldn't they just do DNA tests, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. Unfortunately, it didn't exist yet. I know, I but, they, like, go back in time. When do they get invented DNA tests? It was, like, relatively recently, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like the 60s or something like that? Yep. Yeah, and they only got more reliable as time went by as well, yeah. Mm. Right. Um. In reading this and the rest of the 400 pages of evidence in the file, so it's a huge chunk of, of info, uh, Margaret for the first time started doubting the version of the story her family had always told. So she's starting to think that maybe Bobby wasn't actually Bobby. Yeah. Whoa. But she, like for right up until this point, she's just like, I'm researching it to, you know, confirm the story that we all know is true. And now after getting this defense file, it's the first time she's like, hang on a second. Uh, the defense file also included a letter by someone who wasn't directly attached to the case who wrote a six-page letter laying out point by point why it didn't make sense that the boy found with Walters was Bobby Dunbar. Uh, points like, why haven't pictures of Bobby before and after, after disappearance been printed side by side? Why is Julia Anderson judged harsh, harshly for being unsure if it was her son at first when Lessie Dunbar was not? Mm. Which is, it was real strange, wasn't it? It was like as soon as Julia wasn't sure, it was like, well, it's definitely not her kid. But Lessie, the same thing happened to her. It almost makes it sound like the articles saying that she did know straight away were covering it up. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it sounds like their whole town, the Dunbars were big in Opelousas. Like they were a big... Wealthy kind of family in that town. You wonder, oh, is that like a friend who's written that article saying, yep, they definitely knew it was their kid. Yeah, right. Nothing to see here. I mean, I'm just having, that's just a wild sort of theory. Yeah, but who knows? Kind of makes some sense to me. Uh, so so these are, so there's some of these big um, points she's making, this uh, anonymous woman. But finally she wrote, if this had been their own child, and he had been gone for eight months. Do you think his features would be so changed that they would not know him only by moles and scars? This is a farce. If the, Dunmar, if the Dunbars do not know their child, who has only been gone eight months by his features, why, they don't know him at all. On reading this letter, Margaret said, quote, It just simply dawned on me. Oh, my God, she's right. What a farce. What a farce this is. So that was the letter that sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Oh. Right, but, but she didn't think that when she first heard that the mum was like, oh, yeah, I don't recognise this kid, yeah. It's, it's just an interesting, it's just like, I guess it's just the weight of information. And, and she's had this story locked in her head. So it took a while to probably undo it. Yeah. But I, yeah. So it's hard to know. Like she, um, Margaret at this point has, um, her kids are like, Adults, so she's I don't know how old she was, but she was obviously you know you'd think forty plus and had heard this story her whole life, so it just took a little while to undo it, I suppose um, all this research that she was doing was leading to her becoming an outcast in her own family. Her relatives wanted nothing to do with uncovering the past as far as they were concerned, they were Dunbars and wanted the past left in the past. They were like, 
It doesn't matter what you find. We're Dunbars. Don't why why are you digging this old stuff up? Let's move on. Uh, That's the weird. idea of a DNA test. Yeah, it doesn't it? Just seems like why 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 wouldn't you want to know? I'd be so curious. Yeah. Yeah, like it's just it's just cool story to you know uncover the truth. But it sounds like they're worried their identity is going to come into question. It doesn't change who you are. Yes, this long after it doesn't change anything day to day. It just changes. Like wow, what a wild story. Yeah. Yeah. But they, if, I guess, if the Dunbars are, you know, an important family in that town, maybe they, maybe that's a big part of their identity. But I think it, it doesn't take that anything away from it. Just basically, he was basically adopted under weird circumstances. Yeah. If that's the case. Um, the idea of a DNA test to figure it out once and for all was floated, but most of the family hated the idea, and that's because they just didn't <laughs> want to know, basically. Apart from Margaret's father, Bobby Jr. They didn't want to know, but they also were like, we're Dunbar's, this story is all bullshit anyway. Let's stop wasting our time with it. But then Margaret's father, Bobby Jr., was was open to the idea of a, a DNA test. Bobby Jr. was getting on in years and had just been to hospital with a heart issue. He wrote a letter to his family saying, quote, Daddy did not have the science of DNA to confirm the decision of the court in his youth. I feel it is my responsibility to achieve that before I go, end quote. Whoa. And that to- totally adds up to me, what Bobby Jr. said. He's like, he just, he's like I want to know. Um, yeah, I'd want to know. I'm sitting here also, and I want to know. <laughs> yeah, he 100% still believes that this is, this is just proving that he is a Dunbar, but he, he wants to do it just to, you know, stop the um, discussion about it, basically. Yeah. They needed someone from Alonzo's side of the family to test against, though, as Alonzo's Dunbar lineage wasn't in question. Oh, of course. Alonzo's son, David, agreed. Oh. Uh, the, uh, the other, that side of the family, I guess they're not as worried about it because it doesn't affect their identity. It's just, are our cousins our cousins by blood? Let's find out. Uh, the catch was that the results would be sealed until all of Bobby Jr.'s siblings agreed to open them, which in reality... Is never going to happen. They actually didn't even know that the test had been taken. So the way oh. I think the way that they convinced uh, David, Alonzo's son David, and Bobby Junior, they were both like, "We don't want to make any trouble, so we'll do it, but only if all siblings agree, will the results be opened." So that's potentially that, not going to solve anything. Yeah, but I guess it's something that. Um, Bobby Jr.'s like, we can do it, and then maybe, you know, some way day down the track at least they'll be open and someone will know. Oh, my God. After a month, Margaret called the lab to make sure everything went okay, but the lab assistant just blurted out the results of the test. <gasps> <laughs> oh, my Imagine God. Imagine if they did that, in, if they did that under any other circumstance. Like, oh, you got gonorrhea, you got gonorrhea. I'm so sorry. I just yelled that out. I'm so sorry. I'm on, I've got you on speaker and my whole office knows I have gonorrhea. (laughs) I just wanted to know if I could come and pick up the papers. Yeah, you can for your gonorrhea that you've got. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Oh, no, I'm a really good scientist, but I'm not a good communicator. Honestly, this is the worst case of gonorrhea I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, I I don't exactly know what gonorrhea is, but just because it sounds, it's like a, an STD that sounds like diarrhea. I think that makes it the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like your logic there. Yeah, <laughs> I think it just sounds like aria makes anything sound worse. Now we are currently just 
brushing over the fact that the technician said the results. Yes. Yes. Do you want to know what the of results course. were? Of course. So the, the test was to find out if the two sides of the Dunbar family matched. Right. The DNA did not match. <gasps> no. He was Bobby Dunbar was not Bobby Dunbar. <gasps> Whoa. I am aghast. What? And did he have did he have gonorrhea? Answer the question. <laughs> and he also had gonorrhea. <laughs> he wasn't Bobby Dunbar. No. How wild. One of the weird quirks of this is that they they still haven't tested to see if he is an Anderson for some reason, or I can't find anywhere saying they have. But it's basically assumed. Um, it's assumed. Margaret. He, there's a there's a sorry. chance that he is a third boy. Right. Well, it's possible, I guess, yeah. It's basically assumed he's not, but there, there's got to be some chance until it's proven for sure. Margaret drove 10 hours to tell her dad in person after she got the phone call. Bobby Jr. was gobsmacked, saying, quote, it took my breath away. You know, I hadn't considered that. My thought was to prove that daddy was Bobby Dunbar. So it took me, well, I had a lot of time. I was in, I was in the hospital at the time for a while. And I just pondered, you know, all right, if my past is wrong, Bobby, Dun- Bobby Dunbar, all the legends, all the stories, and then all of a sudden you find out, well, that's not who your blood says you are. Where does that leave me? If my grandpa isn't my grandpa, who am I? So he's having an existential crisis all of a sudden. Wow. Um, but he, he's also said that uh, he's glad he found out, and if he had his time again, he would do the test again. Yeah. You just want to know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so yeah, then, it would be okay. a wild thing to find so out. So let's assume then that Bobby is Bruce. What happened to Bobby? Because before I was thinking like what happened to Bruce then if, you know, where's Bruce gone? Yes. But, yeah, the question more is what happened to Bobby. I'll, and that's I guess that's part of the mystery and I'll, I'll give you some of the theories on that at the end. Old people. <laughs> but I think we already know <laughs> what it is. Um, her extended family was furious, as Margaret's extended family. As far as they were concerned, they were Dunbar's. Nothing she said could change that fact. She ba- they basically said, we don't believe it. Well, you, you is- are still Dunbar's. You are. And yes. that's, right? this The people around you are still your family. It literally has nothing to do with you. It's a, Yeah, that's right. It, you wouldn't exist if this didn't happen. Yeah. And it doesn't change. You don't have to now change your surname or abandon your family. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's a funny thing. It's a, yeah, but I mean, obviously, it's a thing I've never gone through. It'll be a. Mm. I think I'd just be like, I'd almost be excited by it. I'd be like, wow, what a wild thing to have happened. Yeah. But yeah, I also having not gone through it, who knows how you'd actually react? But it does. It just would be like. I think I can. I feel like the hairs on the back of my neck standing up with this story, yeah. let alone if I was right in the middle of it. But yeah, that, something they don't think about is if if it all of this didn't happen, they don't exist. Mm. Um, none none of these grandkids would exist from any, any of the families because everyone's story would be totally different. Yeah. You know, the butterfly effect thing would be huge. Yeah. Um, the other families involved took it as much happier news though. Descendants of William Walters saw it as vindication for Walters. He never kidnapped Bobby Dunbar. It's not really talked about that he does sound like he kind of did kidnap Bruce Anderson, though. 
Yeah, and Bruce is nowhere to be seen. Wait, yes, he is. But Bobby is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right. he, they're sort of vindicated by that, and I think it it feels like it's not as full on of a kidnapping because <laughs> <laughs> it was a family friend because she because Julia gave him to him. He was possibly even the dad. It's a, no one um, definitively claimed fatherhood, but I think William Walters was pretty sure it was his brother's kid. Oh, okay. Um, Julia Anderson, but none of that was hundred percent solved either. Uh, the Andersons were stoked as well. So um, Dunbar's didn't take it well. The Walters family was into it. The Andersons were stoked. Bobby Jr. and his wife, Amelda went to Mississippi to deliver the news in person to Jewel and Hollis. Whoa. So, um, yeah, so I think Bobby Jr. took it all right. Obviously, he's delivering the news to his, like, uh, we're actually blood family in his mind, you know, even though it wasn't fully confirmed. He's like, well, I think... I believe this to be definitely the case. Jules daughter emotionally recalled the encounter saying when Bobby Jr. and Miss Imelda came and they told us about the DNA testing, that's the day Bobby came home and he came in the form of his son and we were proud for Julia. And one thing she wanted most in her life was her child back. Bruce came home. And she got him. Yeah. Well, she, she calls him. Bobby. Um, yeah, I'm quoting. That was a direct quote from her. Yeah, right. They the fan well because um apparently Julia started calling him Bobby, even though you know she's ah. missing Bruce. Oh, that's really lovely. Yeah, so nice. Um, and then and they, I mean, this is why I reckon people should listen to the episode of This American Life because a bunch of interviews with the families involved, and they and Jules and Hollis, Jules and Hollis, they. Talk about it like, you know, we, we don't want anything from them but friendship Aww. and we're just so happy and you can hear how emotional they are and how much it means to them. Wow. It's it's just really sweet. But they've never done a test though. I don't believe so. Well, actually, Jewel and Hollis are now dead, but um, they, yeah, I don't think they ever did. Wow. Okay. They just accepted it and went, yep, this is what it is. We're a family. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I guess in their minds it was one of two things, and they. But yeah, it feels like to me, I'm like, oh, I would have really loved the full confirmation, and even <laughs> me reading about it, I'm like, geez, I'd love for you to have yeah gone that extra little step, which they still could do, right? It, you could do it if generations down, they should still be able to figure it out. Yeah, I think mm. so. Like off based off um, Jules' daughter or something like mm. that, but. I should say um, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know that for sure. I was going to. I'm not a trained scientist. I was basing it on I'm sure I've seen that in TV shows. So, yeah, I think it can be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. All right, well, finally, what happened to the real Bobby Dunbar? According to all that's interesting, Margaret believes that the child fell into the lake and either drowned or was eaten by an alligator. Some journalists theorise. So early on he just never... He'd never made it out of the lake. That was it. He was gone yeah. from day one. Uh, of course, I didn't even consider that. I was like, of course, he got out of the lake somehow and w- must have gone somewhere. But, yeah, that's probably the most likely no, thing, isn't no it? No amount Mar- of explosives made him come back up. <laughs> or they exploded him. That's the other. Yeah, Jesus. So that's, my, yeah, Margaret's best guess. Mm. Um, she even, like, she took the This American Life journalist to the lake and stood on the bridge that she reckons he fell, fell from probably. Um, 
Other journalists theorized that Lassie and Percy Dunbar had done something to their son and used Bruce Anderson to cover their deeds. That one you don't see too much, but that's um, put forward by all that's interesting. Right, so they saw a boy and went, yeah, 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 that's our son. Yes, looking at each other like, just go with it. Just go <laughs> yeah, with yeah. It. Uh, authorities claim that they found footprints leading away from the lake and that they heard claims from some locals that a suspicious-looking man had been seen carrying him away, but these rumours were never confirmed either. So there's all these different theories, but it sounds like Margaret, who would probably be the biggest expert in this story, mm. based on all her research, her best guess is that he fell into the lake and it was either drowned or eaten by an alligator. So lots of theories, but no one knows for sure, and his fate remains a mystery, oh. and that's why this was... A mystery episode. Whoa. I mean, we did we did solve it really early on when we said mole people, obviously. Yeah, so you reckon the mole people at the lake took him and the, the mole people lake dwelling. Yeah, can I animals? just say what is an aquatic mole if not an otter, which is what I suggested oh, at the start yes. of the episode. That's true. The old aquatic mole. <laughs> <laughs> We've always said that. Yeah, we have. It's so obvious now that you've You've put it out there. Should we get Margaret on the line? Yeah, let her know. <laughs> now, she only does stuff in person. She drives 50 states across to deliver information. Bring her in. Imagine driving 50 states across in America. She'd have to get to Hawaii <laughs> and Alaska. Well, I'm committed to driving 50 states across. She flies <laughs> flies to Hawaii, drives around, gets back on the plane, flies back. Uh, so that brings us to everyone's favourite part of the episode, unless you've got any other theories you want to put forward or any thoughts or anything. No, mole people. Pretty confident of the the mole. I'm always confident in the moles. Yeah, there was no escape from the fortress of the moles, as the Simpsons taught us. Yeah. Well, if if that's the case, then let's do the fact, quote, or question section, which has a jingle that goes like this. Fact, quote, or question. (laughs) (laughs) I think you finally nailed that. (laughs) Uh, so this is a section of the show where people who support us at patreon.com slash do go on pod. And we've got a whole bunch of new supporters and we're so appreciative of that. Um, really has been amazing uh, to see so much support. Um, warms the bloody cockles of my heart. Uh, but one of the rewards you get uh, if you're on a certain tier, which is the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Rest in Peace Memorial Edition level, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, and you also get to give yourself a title, and we read two of these out each week. This week, the first one comes from Austin Horst, which is a great name. It's very good. And Austin Horst has given himself the title Executive Vice President of Flight Schedules Responsible for Ensuring Flights Aren't Missed Due to Magnet Purchases. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that one was... That one was uh, must have been written just after hearing our one of our UK episodes where we talked about that. We missed our flight from Dublin to where were we flying to Dublin Glasgow. to Glasgow. Glasgow, yeah. But anyway, let's not worry about the. That's in the past. It, I don't want to do any DNA tests about it that. It wasn't just because we were buying a magnet. No, it was just because Jess was buying a magnet. Yeah. <laughs> also, the John was closed. I had to find a different one. And I just thought I was feeling very relaxed because I'm like, well, these two stress heads wouldn't be so chilled out if we were running late. <laughs> it's true. Oh, no. We, sorry, we're we all let you slack. down. Yeah. Where's the stress? <laughs> uh, anyway, Austin Horse, 
uh, aka the executive vice president of flight schedules, etc., cetera, uh, has given us a quote. And that quote is this, do something you really like and hopefully it pays the rent. As far as I'm concerned, that's success. And that's a quote from none other than Tom Petty. Oh. Oh, thanks, Tom Petty. Uh, And then Austin said, you guys seem like you really like what you're doing and I enjoy listening to you do it. Cheers, Austin. Thanks, Austin. I can't speak for the others, but yes, I do love doing this. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm in it for the magnet stories, really. <laughs> I'm, I love a magnet anecdote. I'm in it for the cold, hard <laughs> cash. Oh, yeah. Podcasting's the go. Yeah, then. podcasting um, and comedy, the two big money makers in the entertainment yeah. world. Uh, the other fact, quote, or question that we've got this week is from Derek Brigham. And Derek has called himself science advisor to the podcast. Jeez, we could have used you today. <laughs> Can you get in contact with us about DNA? When when did they f- figure it out? And what does it mean? Uh, and he's given <laughs> us a fact. And the fact is, oh, it's longish. Uh, I should say for first-time listeners, I don't read these out until I read them out. He is written, I have a fact and I think it is really fun. Oh, Jess will be the, Jess will be the judge of that. Let's see. So he, he thinks it's fun. Derek as well. What a great name, Derek. You don't hear a lot of Derek's anymore. Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah. Derek Wibbly from Sum 41. Okay. Derek. Derek from Grey's Anatomy. I mean, the list just goes on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So this is the fun fact or allegedly fun fact. The first time I was thanked in the Patreon shout out section was in the Star Wars episode with Mr. Sunday Movies. Very appropriate since I discovered the pod through Meso's plug on the Weekly Planet about his first guest appearance. I was moving away from Knoxville, Tennessee. When I listened- <gasps> Home of the Sun Sphere, a.k.a. the Wig Sphere, can I just Whoa. say? Whoa. No wonder he loves science. He grew up <laughs> near the Wig Sphere. Uh, uh, when I listened to the Star Wars episode, I made sure to send Dave a pic of the Wig Sphere before I moved away. <laughs> It's very true. We did not read these before they come out, so that is very funny. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe it. Knoxville, Tennessee does not mean Wigsphere to me. It should. Every time I read it, I think of Johnny Knoxville. Um, And that is one of my biggest shames and regrets. Uh, He goes on to write, have we got to a fact yet? My mum, Marie, and I uh, had come out from Oregon to help with the move and do the cross-country drive with me. Wait, I've read that wrong. My mum, Marie, had come out from Oregon to help me with the move and do the cross-country drive with me. What a great mum. She was listening along to the pod, and she got to hear me get the shout-out. That was her very first episode, and she was just excited as excited as I was. Now she's a big fan of yours. She listens every week. Oh, that's a great fact. Yes, Thank hello. You, Derek. Excuse- hang on, I'll be the judge. I love a personalised fact. Oh, okay, sorry. That is a fun fact. Yeah. But don't ever step on my toes again, Matthew. Sorry, that was, I don't know what got into me. (laughs) I just, I feel, I feel a new deep shame. (laughs) Firstly, about not knowing the wig sphere. Secondly, stepping on Jess's toes. (laughs) 
<laughs> Such little toes they are too. Hard to step on them. Yeah, I'm dainty. Not like mine. A little dainty. My long, freaky toes. <laughs> Why did I say that out loud? All right. Um, now we thank a few more of our Patreons. Uh, and Jess, you normally give us a bit of a game here. What do you think we should do with oh. the, this week's names? Oh, no. Um... um uh, Look, I can't think of anything that isn't. I mean, it feels poor taste. What about if you're struggling? I don't want to take your thunder again. No one's stepping on your toes here, Jess. (laughs) Go on. But if you can't think of anything, what about like what their local lake is infested with? I was thinking the same thing. Okay, great. (laughs) Yes, thank you. It seems seems safe away from all the the, the harsher things of this topic. Yes, yeah, great. Of course, um, yeah, as long as you forget that the real Bobby Dunbar was probably eaten by an alligator. Yeah, forget that. (laughs) Put that to one side. don't worry about that right now. So if I could kick this off, I'd love to thank from Tidworth in Great Britain. I don't know why I love that so much, but Tidworth is awesome. Mm. Christian Lincoln. Thank you, Christian, you goddamn legend from Tidworth. Lincoln. Christian Lincoln. Thanks, Christian. And in Tidworth, their local lake is infested with uh, badges. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like pins? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I was thinking more the non-aquatic uh, yeah, otter. Yeah, that was also again, what badger. I was thinking, but they're badgers <laughs> wearing badges. How about that? Oh, <gasps> wow. Through their skin. Ow. Yeah. No, they're wearing little vests. <laughs> or are they wearing little jackets? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of blood in the water. Wow, what an infestation. <laughs> Jacket wearing badges wearing badges. I'd be okay Love with it. that. Christian Lincoln. Why? Can you send us a photo of them? Love to see them. I bet yeah, no locals are trying to throw dynamite into that lake. Uh, and I'd also love to thank from location unknown. <gasps> oh, boy. Hardy. <laughs> Matuswaski. Well done. <laughs> Matt, wow, that Mattis is an amazing name. Sweski. Matasweski? That is an incredible name. Any of name. you want to help me out there? No, I, I wouldn't have Fantastic a clue. name. Hardy is great too. Ha- Hardy what is about- great. Hardy Matasweski. Without the Mat- country, you don't know how they're going to go. Is it Matashuski? I don't know. Oh, Matashuski. Love that. But it's just a sneaky J. It looks at the like end. Uh, what I got in Scrabble last night. <laughs> <laughs> Good fun stuff there. All right. Uh, Hardy. All right. What's what's the local? We don't know where this lake is, so no clues there. But I actually think it is infested with bike riding dingoes. Whoa. <laughs> Which is, oh, you mean cool dingoes? Yeah, yeah cool dingoes. Great. And I guess the bikes are aquatic bikes. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. <gasps> aqua bikes. Aqua bikes. Dingoes on aqua bikes. Aqua bike <laughs> dingo is a cool band name. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start it. In that it's a terrible band name. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I thank Thanks, Hardy. Can I thank some people too? Yes, please. I would love so much to thank from Glasgow. Alec Mungle. Oh, yeah, another great name. Now that's a name. That's a good name. Now, Glasgow, that's a place I've actually been. Um, a funny story, actually, I was missed a plane on the way there once because my friend was buying a magnet. Can you believe that? <laughs> my father's <laughs> Mr. Plane. You can call me <laughs> Gary. <laughs> good on you, Gary Plane. <laughs> 
All right, so what's infesting the lake uh, where Alec is from in Glasgow? Uh, infested with um, naked Ooh. gnomes. Naked gnomes. Naked gnomes. Garden gnomes naked that have gnomes. stripped off and gone for a skinny dip, but then the tide came in and washed their clothes away and now they're stuck there. I tell you what, lake. seeing these gnomes naked, they are not in proportion. <laughs> have I told you about my family's uh, Christmas gnome tradition? Gnome. <laughs> <laughs> my so uh, in my extended family every year we do like a, a KK for Christmas and my brother for at least 10 years it probably took longer actually it d- doesn't matter who he got he would always buy the same garden gnome and it was it, it's like got its back to you and it's mooning you um, and he would buy that every year until every single family had one. And this is on my mum's side where there's my grandparents had nine kids. So, oh, quick question: <laughs> Do I <they> know <laughs> what is causing it? I don't want to think about that. Anyway, so now it, your dad would have had a real field day meeting your mum. Well, he was one of eight. He's one of eight as well. Oh, he would have had a real field day meeting himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys know what's causing this. Anyway, so everyone in my family has a little garden gnome that uh, is showing you its bum. Do you oh, think that he great. bought them in bulk years ago or did every Christmas he'd go down to Bunnings and they're like, uh, welcome back, Mick, good to see you. We've been expecting you. He'd go to the same nursery each time um, and it got to a point where he knew, like, the model number that he needed and be like, I need another one of these, please. He didn't buy them in bulk. Can I have a... S- 612 showing his bum, please. So my parents have one as well, but they also have one that's flashing at the front and it has a little gnome penis. <gasps> and quick question. <laughs> Is it in proportion? <laughs> no. Well, you know who can answer that, and that is Alec Mungle. Whose uh, local lake is infested with the bastards. They- Nude gnomes. Nude gnomes. Thank you very much. So is this like little plaster gnomes or living gnomes? Oh, no, they're living. Oh. Oh, living gnomes. But they're naked. If you're wearing clothes. Living gnome, like that classic song by that old English guy. Living gnome. Is that ringing any bells? What's his name? Uh, They sang it on The Young Ones. Are you thinking of uh, Billy Joe Armstrong? From Green Day. Oh, no, it's Jebediah. Sorry, I was trying to pun on uh, leaving home because he sounded almost exactly like that. <laughs> leaving oh, yeah. well, home. Damn. The, the guy I'm, I'm doing, uh, he doesn't sound like me singing. No. He sounds like a singer. But I remember <laughs> he, I can't remember his name, someone Richards or something. But he's like a real kind of daggy pop singer. And one time he, um, I remember he, Claimed the the Beatles are no good because a lot of their recordings are out of key. Wow! <laughs> Huge call. Okay. Huge call. Big call. Um, Love thank it. you very much to Alec, and I would also like to thank uh from what's K what's KY Dave in the US? Uh, it's a kind of lube. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, it's Kentucky Lube. Kentucky Lube is what that stands for. Well, I would love to thank from Kentucky Lube, uh, Rajan Wilson. Rayan? Rajan Wilson. Rajan Wilson. Wow. That, what a week of names. Rajan. 
Ragin'. Ragin' Cajun. Love it. And in the... It's got to be bulls, right? Yes. But what are they wearing? (laughs) Little hats. Little sailor hats. It's never been a... No one's ever had to think of that before. Oh, bulls, sure. But what are they wearing? (laughs) Can they be wearing little sailor hats? Yes, of course they That's are. That's cute. Nothing's been clear in my life. <laughs> Sailor Bulls. They, They're uh, big fans of Sailor Moon. Of course. But only the hats fit. Sailor Moon's a show, I believe. <laughs> That's a great current reference. Thank you, Ragin. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, it's more current than whatever that old singer's name was. I can't remember. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's very funny. And Ragin. Rayan, we appreciate your support. You're raging to us. Can I f- bring us home with a couple of more Cliff beautiful Richard. people? Oh, yes. Cliff Richard. Wow, okay. That would have been annoying our older listeners maybe and probably our younger listeners going, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to thank, finally, from Chicago, Illinois. Ah, the Windy City. <laughs> Chicago. Chicago. Uh, Joe. I was waiting for Jess. Sorry. Sorry. Joe. Joe Grassi or Joe Grassi. Oh. Yes. Degrassi. Thank you so much. Junior high. Junior high. Shut up, Jess. Um, and in Chicago, what's the biggest body of water in Chicago? What are they? What's what are they famous for? They got all the. Uh, they got the Great Lakes up there. Pretty arrogant, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're fine. <laughs> Um, and the Great Lakes uh, are infested with uh, Shetland ponies. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. Are they wearing snorkels? Yes. <laughs> so they're like <laughs> submarine ponies. Yeah. Oh, no. You know, You'd love and hate uh, them, Yes, because I love Shetland ponies. So cute. But s- submarines are so dumb. This is something I, it's funny you mentioned ponies because this came up. Well, in one place, but nowhere else. I didn't mention it, but apparently the Dunbars, after being reunited with or supposedly reunited with their son, Bobby Dunbar, they bought him a bike and a pony. Okay. All right. Uh, right. Okay, sure. So, and some, so you could either, th- there's two ways of interpreting that. It could be, well, oh, they were trying to go, you know, bribe him into going along with the story. Hey, your life's here is a lot better. You don't have to go around tinkering on pianos. You can just stay here and ride a, a pony. Or it's them going, we lost our son for eight months. Jeez, we want to make him feel as special as we can yeah. sort of thing. I'm going to go with the first. If it one. is the first. <laughs> if it's the first option, um, there's no wonder that he chose the horse and pony because the other mum was just offering an orange. I'd pick the <laughs> pony as well. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's I'd fair. abandon my mum for does... a pony. Still. <laughs> You'd let her go? I'm like, well, mum, we had a good run. Bye-bye. I've got a pony. <laughs> and, me- and even if it means your dad goes to jail for kidnapping? Huh. Can I have two ponies? <laughs> yes. Bye-bye, dad. See you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be right. All right, thanks to Joe Grassi there from Chicago, Illinois. And finally bringing us home, the final lovely Patreon supporter to thank today is James Brennan from the Ponds in New South Wales. James Oh, from the Ponds Institute. Brennan. I did not say Institute right then. Institute. (laughs) 
I've said a lot of. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've I've fumbled over a lot of words and I just forged on. <laughs> Like not quite nailing them as I was reading quotes and stuff. I'm like, just keep going, man. Don't look back. Never I'm a classic Dunbar type. Never look back. <laughs> Love that. All right. So James, uh, what's infesting the lake in James's hood? Oh, it's got to be Pomeranians, oh. surely. Yeah. Okay. Wearing. You, wait. Oh. Can they be wearing little life jackets? Yes. That'd be so cute. <laughs> Swimming around, yapping along with that little puffy tail <laughs> above the water going wag, wag, wag. Hey, there's my exact double. <gasps> that dog has a puffy tail. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Puff. Here, Puff. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much to uh, James Brennan. Oh, that, I was about to say that, that brings us to the end, but we've just got to see if there's anyone to induct into the Triptych Club. Dave, can you explain that quickly while I double check? Well, a lot of people have been supporting us on Patreon um, for a while now, which we appreciate, and some people have been supporting us for over three years straight. And if they've done that at a certain level, we've checked the records, and every week to celebrate our third anniversary of you supporting our show, we uh, induct you into the uh, Trip Ditch Club. And uh, it's quite an exclusive club, and um, we're just checking now to see if anyone needs to be knighted this week. Oh, there are. There's five names coming into the club this week. Oh, very uh, nice. I'm very excited to um, bring them in. Jess, what is what what are the hors d'oeuvres or cocktail this week? This week we've got uh, something a little bit uh, summery. I'm talking passion fruit cocktails. Uh... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Ooh a mystery cocktail. I love that. All right. Well, make sure you grab one of those on your way in. Uh, via Philadelphia, Andre Rarig from Texas, Naomi Chapman from Canberra, Laura Cottrell from Socorro in NM. What's NM, Dave, in the US? Jonathan Dooley. Oh. And God. from Manly, James, no surname. James uh- Searle, I think. Good on you, James. And uh, NM in New Mexico. How can we th- forget that? There's a New Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much to those people for supporting the show for three years straight. And if you want to um, support us now, of course, you can do that at any time at patreon.com slash pod. We put out all sorts of rewards. Two bonus episodes is usually the biggest hook that we put out every single month. Uh, often there's one report and one mixed bag where we do uh, all sorts of different stuff. And uh, you can vote on topics. Do join the Facebook group, which is very, very active and uh, also a very nice place. Don't you just love how nice people are in there? It's so lovely. It's a great place to hang out. It's a lovely place. Yeah. we. Well, you two won't know this, but anyone who's mean, I take them out of the group. Do you you, you mean you murder them or you just take them out of the group? I I choose not to say. (laughs) (laughs) Probably smart. But I haven't had to do that yet because everyone's been so nice. Oh. There's been no need. <laughs> so really you do nothing. So I've got, yeah, I've got this pair of leather gloves for nothing, <laughs> which is what I, <laughs> a picture I'd put on if I was going to take someone out. <laughs> That's great. Every now and then when I misread someone's tone, I get the gloves out, put them on, <laughs> then reread and go, 
Off they Take go. Them off again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, somebody else has like comments on it and then they clarify and go, oh, sorry, tone's a bit hard in here, isn't it? What I meant was, and you're like, oh, God damn it, these gloves. It's too late to return them. I wish someone was a dick. <laughs> uh, but they were a waste of money because everyone's so lovely. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, anything we need to plug in particular? We've got um, all our social medias that do go on pod mm. and they're all linked in the show notes. Uh, the Patreon is patreon.com slash do go on pod. Uh, if you want to listen to the other shows we do, Dave and my shows are still running uh, through this outbreak, uh, including Dave's show Book Cheat. And this week's episode, Dave, is about Breakfast at Tiffany's with Jess Perkins and the very, very funny Jack Druce. And also my podcast this week is with the very, very funny Ben Russell. It's called Primates. And this week's episode is about very popularly requested movie Kubo and the Two Strings. So check them out. Bloody check them out. All right. Well, that's all we've got time for in this very time-restricted format of podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We've nearly blown the bandwidth. (laughs) So until next week, as we always say here, suck a fuck. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) We don't say that at all. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Laters. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 